Okay, there we go. Yes. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. I'm really pleased to be able to give the word this morning. Uh, the, t- the sermon is titled The Ministry of the Table, and if you didn't figure it out, it's about sharing food and hospitality and the, the fact that God, who provides this amazing grace and this amazing feast, this great banquet, you know, as it's described, we, we also can reflect that in our lives uh, with one another. And, and I think as Baptists, uh, as, as Pat uh, was saying this morning, we're, we're pretty good at, at sharing a meal. So hopefully this will be an encouragement talk this morning. So a little bit about me. Uh, when I grew up, uh, my family was, was very much uh, kind of all about food, restaurant family, um, you know, good food, good wine, people coming through all the time, uh, coming through the doors all the time of the house. We, uh, we, for, for many years, we did this thing, my parents did this thing where there was just a potluck every Sunday after church. And it was an amazing ministry looking back on it that, you know, it was great for, for all the regular members. And if newcomers came, it's like, well, there's always enough food at a potluck, so hey, they can, they can have a place to share a meal. And just a powerful way of, of having people get a sense of the community, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what I grew up with. Um, but just to give you a picture of how many people were coming through the house, we had this, now a dear friend, but at that time a new student uh, who was, who'd moved to town and moved into an apartment across the street, and she just didn't understand, like, what are all these people doing coming to this house all day long? Um, so she sat outside on her, on her little, little deck and just sat out there and counted how many people came through. And that day was, was kind of a big day. It was like 44 people <laughs> showed up, different people showed up at the house. Now, granted, you know, there was me and my, my brothers. We were teenagers at that time, and we had friends. But there was just also just, you can imagine, a lot of things going on. So, so this is kind of what I grew up with. You know, meals came in courses. They lasted for hours. I saw more ministry happen at home than I saw at church. So, thinking about that context, I'm going to talk about the ministry of the table. It's about good food and good wine and basically this powerful ministry that happens when we share a meal together. So, I'm going to start us off in Luke. Uh, I'm going to come back to this, this passage a lot. Luke 14. And Luke 14 is great. There's... There's three stories. There, there, Jesus is at a big banquet, and there's three stories that, that, that come up. I'm going to start with the second one. The first one, though, is about being a good guest, and then the second one is about being a good host, and then the third one is about this great banquet the, the, in the kingdom of God, so this big feast to come. So I'm going to look at all three of these ideas, but I'm going to start out with being a good host. So, second story. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So obviously the focus today is... Breaking bread with one another is a powerful ministry. And this story is about food and banquets. It's, it's really it, it, the idea of hospitality uh, is, is a really important idea that I want to I look at. 
And hospitality is looked at in the New Testament as one of the gifts, but it's also a calling for everyone. We've got that passage in Romans 12, 13, where he says, share with the Lord's people in need, practice hospitality. It's like a calling that all of us have. And hospitality, there is a sense of entertaining that we, you know, have in our culture today, but hospitality is more than that. It's not just kind of bringing in your friends. It's about inviting in the outsider or the stranger. So I'm going to start us off looking at this ancient Near East hospitality culture that, uh, that the Bible was written th- from. Um, that culture, it was really, really critically important that, that the alien and the stranger were taken care of. And you can imagine in those days, you know, if you were the alien, your, your, your plight is basically desperate. So communities were the foundation of how people survived and they got along. If you didn't have a community, you could easily basic, you know, you could starve or, or you'd be extremely difficult circumstances. So widows, orphans, poor, sojourners from other lands, they all lacked that family and community kind of connection. And without that connection and no land, you had no easy way to earn a living, you had no real means of protection or survival. And so it was really important to have this idea of, of welcoming in those who didn't have that. It was in some ways more important than it is today, even though it's important today. But just imagine like, that, you know, living in that culture. So uh, Hebrews 13.2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at uh, the Old Testament story of uh, in Genesis 18, and, and, and we all know the story of uh, Abraham, uh, who, who came across the three visitors, and it turned out that uh, one of them was the Lord. So as, uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, or Mamre, I don't know, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw the three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. And let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said. Get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. And he then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. And I'm going to Leave it at that for now. So just imagine. I don't know if Abraham knew yet who these visitors were. We don't know that. You know, he might have had an inkling. But I can, I can kind of imagine, like, they seemed like, you know, you know, sojourners, like just people passing through, and just the, the, the language of what he did for them. First, he convinced them. He bowed to them and convinced them to stay so he could wash their feet. And then he basically slaughtered one of his finest animals in order to, to feed them this, this meal. And imagine, like, they were just kind of resting and waiting that whole time. And he's doing all this work to prepare this for them so that they could have this. And 
Abraham went to this enormous energy, but what's amazing about this story is that Abraham and Sarah were the ones who were truly the most blessed at the end of it. So Abraham went to all this effort, and at the end, turns out it's, it's the Lord and two others, uh, and they are given the promise of their son at that point, and they say, you know, they kind of this discussion before as they're leaving, like, oh, should we tell Abraham what we're planning to do in Sodom? And they do, and then that's where the whole famous thing where Abraham starts dickering with them, like, hey, how about, like, if there's <laughs> ten people, you know, could you spare, because my nephew's there. And in the end, they actually spared his nephew, Lot, because of, you know, Abraham's efforts. And so Abraham and Sarah were, were truly blessed through Abraham being so generous and offering this amazing meal to them. And so, I mean, just think about that for a moment in our, in our, taking a step back, I know we're in a different culture, but like, this was an interruption. Abraham probably had other things on his mind, what he was going to do that day. And this was a complete interruption. And yet it turned out to be one of the most pivotal stories in the Bible, enough to be included. It was a very pivotal moment. And I just, I just want to recognize that it's important for us to give space to interruptions in our lives. Often the interruptions are these times where we're most, that are most important. They're the times where we're truly living. And we need to give space to others to interrupt our life. Um, not only are they blessed, but, but, but we will be also blessed as, as we give space for that. Um, I'm, I'm going okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull us back to Luke 14. Um, the first story, I'm not going to read, read the passage, but it's, it's talking about being a good guest. And there's this idea in, in love, like how do you show your love? How do you give to someone? And there's this idea that actually one of the, one of the most powerful ways that we can love another is to let them do something for us and for us to receive what they have to offer. So to see what, what it is that they have to offer and to, and to be appreciative of it. Like imagine, you know, my kids do some art and, you know, some of it's, you know, not worth, you know, and it goes into the wonderful file bin under the kitchen sink. But there's, there's some of it that's great. And when, I, and when I see it, I go, wow, look at this. And let's tack it up and put it, you know, in a prominent place. I mean, I can see my, my kids just, you know, like they radiate this, this, this joy that they've contributed something that was that great. And, and it's just this receiving of what they have to offer is actually a really powerful way of showing love to another person. So, in the same way, now imagine... Um, you know, being, how to be a good guest. You know, there's this, there's this give and a take. And, and the blessing abounds both ways. But, but part, of, part of this giving, uh, you know, like if, as, we, as we host, you know, at, uh, the open table, part of it is receiving what others have to offer to us as we're doing that. And the more we do that, the more that they are blessed and we are blessed. So it kind of goes, goes all ways. Uh, so yesterday, I, uh, I, six, six men showed up at my house and helped me install this huge new picture window in the house. It was like 300 pounds. And I put the call out to uh, many, many people. And I had six respond. And 
they truly were a blessing to me, and I was so appreciative of that. As they came, you know, to, to, to do this, um, one of the guys who was not a follower of Jesus, he kind of made some comment about, oh, I can't remember, but like, this isn't my typical Saturday or something like that. And, and I thought about, like, yeah, you know, our culture teaches us that the most important thing is our personal happiness. And, you know, you look at what, what people are going to do on a beautiful Saturday in Bozeman. They're probably going to be doing lots of great, great things, which we need to do because we live here, you know, enjoy this, this creation but, or the people around us. But, like, the reality is, like, giving of yourself for another person and putting in that effort is not what our culture teaches us. And, and so when he said that, I said, yeah, but think about this. And, of course, I've got my sermon in my mind. <laughs> but I said, yeah, but think about this. You just had an opportunity to, sh- to meet all these other, other great guys who are, are all good, good people that I, you know, wanted to invite into and I trusted them to help. And, and I was like, you got this opportunity to meet all these great guys, plus we got to share pizza and beer and, like, you know, have this time together that ended up being really fun and interesting and, and great. And so there's this dynamic that part of, part of the, the hospitality is, is learning not only to, to welcome others in, but to also, like, uh, this, this, this idea of, of welcoming in their, the, what they have to offer us and saying, hey, can you help? I need, I need you. And that's part of, of, of this idea of hospitality. So letting others serve us is just as important as us serving others. So that's, that's the second idea I'll look at. And then the third, the third idea in the Luke passage, so there's the being a good guest, and, and that was the, the passage about hum, being humble. And then, the, and I didn't read that, but the second one is the one I read where it's like, okay, how to be a good host. You've got to invite in the, uh, the outsider. And then the third one is about the great banquet. And I'm going to just, just look at that for a little bit. God's model for us about providing this feast and this reflection of, of what our lives will be like. So a few, a few verses throughout Scripture. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Matthew eight eleven, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. In Revelation 19.9, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So if we look at this, this Luke 14 passage, which I'll read in a little bit, um, but, but, but that passage, we're invited to, to invite in the poor and the lame. So, if you think about, you know, what, what God is offering us with this great feast, we are basically the poor and the lame. We are the ones who got invited, and we have nothing really comparable to offer in return. And this is pure, radical hospitality given to us, no expectation that we're going to contribute to the meal. This is not a potluck, this, this feast. This is provided for us. And our job is to humbly accept this gift of this feast and this grace. And as we do that, we can then model the same thing for those people around us. 
we can learn to extend the same kind of grace, the same kind of feasts to those around us, feasts of generosity. So let's look at the, the Luke 14 story, picking up in, in verse 15. When the, one of those at the table with him heard this, that's the last one we just read, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. First said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. (laughs) That's a pretty bad excuse. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. So then the master then told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So there's two ideas here. First one, people had really lame excuses for not coming to that feast. <laughs> and the second one is the master is going to fill the table one way or another, and that means inviting just about everyone until it's full. So idea number one. And, and, and in this story, God is, is the master. This is the, the, the great banquet. God is rejected. And there's a lot, of, a lot of takeaways we could have. This story was aimed at, at the Jews who were basically, they felt like they were entitled and they basically didn't have to do anything, didn't have to make any effort. And so that's really where the story was aimed. But there's, there's other things we can gain from it because we, we get afraid of being rejected the same way. Um, and so just as, as the master said, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep, keep going until my table's full, I think we can take that model and say, yeah, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to not worry about being rejected and just go in and keep inviting. The other idea, though, is, is you know, for these people who were invited and who had their excuses, I, I feel like that's a very... I, 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 I get it a lot in our culture. Everybody's busy, right? We're all, our lives are full, and we don't really give space for interruptions. And I think it's important to to recognize you know, the, how important those are, those invitations, those interruptions. Um, I, I was briefly a part of a community in uh, Vancouver, and the group was really serious about like, living out our faith and practicing you know, these, these disciplines. We had seven major disciplines that we would practice individually, and then we'd meet together and... and, and We'd worship and, and talk about them and, and, and help each other. Things like you know prayer and fasting and giving and uh, radical hospitality. And basically, one of the things we were supposed to do was to invite in a stranger into our home for a meal at least once a week. And you know, if if if, if it's not a normal practice, it feels feels like a stretch, like a stranger, somebody you know who's, who's never been here before. But then once you start doing it, you realize it's actually not hard. 
it just takes a little bit of uh, energy. And, and, and stranger doesn't mean like scary person. It just means someone you don't know yet. It, could just be your, your, your great neighbors or your great co-workers. So, and the idea number two out of that, that passage was, was basically that everyone was invited. And I think back to what Jesus said about being a good host. He says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the people who, who can't repay you. And, you know, our culture has another hard thing, is we have a lot of really great stuff that we don't want to get ruined. Uh, you know, I think of the new carpet syndrome. You know, you get a new carpet and, you know, oh, you take off your shoes before you come in, right? And, and it hinders us from inviting in somebody with dirty shoes. And, you know, stuff can get in the way. You know, I remember a friend asking me once, you know, if, you know, if you're wearing your Sunday best and after church you're walking uh, along the street and you see somebody who, who needs help getting pushed out of mud, are you going to do it? And I was like, I, I don't know the answer to that question because I don't want to ruin my clothes. But then I think, man, like how awful is that, that I would let stuff hinder me from practicing the gospel, practicing grace. And so we just need to be aware of it, not that we don't want to treat our stuff well, but we just want to realize that, you know, our culture has, has built up in us this sense that, that this stuff is more important than actually practicing the hospitality that we're called to. So who do we invite? Well, the passage said the, the poor and the lame and the crippled. But, but I think the intent is more about giving to those where we don't expect anything in return. It's reflecting that same hospitality that God has given us, this great banquet, and, and, and reflecting that out to others. And we can just start with our, our neighbors, our physical neighbors, or our, our coworkers, or the people that we they rub shoulders with, and just start with them, just inviting people into our home and see what happens. And the thing is, is our culture actually really desperately needs this. We, we used to have, culturally, more community connection, and it's a real issue uh, you know, basically, our, our culture has gone to the point where basically we're paying now for all these, these extra services to take care of things that we used to just have naturally as living in a community. There's this really exciting thing going on right now in Edmonton. and um, There's uh, Karen Wilk and her, her colleague Howard, who used to be a Baptist pastor. They were looking really seriously at how can we just get more neighborhood engagement. And there's this great book that I haven't read, but that they, they were inspired by called The Abundant Community. The Abundant Community, it's by John McKnight and Peter Block. And basically, the book talks about how our society's gone from taking care of one another to basically going to all these outside sources to cover our needs. And then it talks about how you can build these neighborhood connections and build up these communities again in, in, in these tangible, physical neighborhoods. So... It's an amazing story of what these, these two did. Uh, Howard went to the, the mayor, and he said, I want you to read this book. And then he says, I think we should do this in Edmonton, and I can do a pilot project in my neighborhood. And so Edmonton has uh, officially, like, according to their structure, 157 neighborhoods, and they had these volunteer community leagues. So they had something already set up, kind of, but, like, it wasn't effective. 
So they, the city said, all right, yeah, we'll try this. So Howard became a neighborhood connector. And within, 60, uh, within six months, he had 50 block connectors, which are basically the different people set up who were taking responsibility for their little area. And what I don't know, but I imagine, is he was finding the Christians that he already knew to take that role on. And this project was so successful, everyone was surprised. Like it, was, it made a significant difference. So imagine you have seniors now cared for by neighbors rather than having ambulances show up all the time. You had the community, the sense of the community raising a child. You had this more community coherence and the social services. Violence went down. There was a sense of security and safety, and they had shared experience, like block parties and things. And this pilot project went so well, they hired Howard to work full-time and manage eight more. And now today, uh, there's 23 of these neighborhoods, and there's 45 more being introduced to the idea. And so from this kingdom perspective, Howard seems like Joseph to me. You know, it's like he's been favored by Pharaoh to have all these resources to allow the followers of Jesus to live out our calling as these neighborhood connectors and to live out like Titus 1.5 where it says, you know, we, we want to have basically Christian elders in every town. Um, so these Jesus followers can basically be the elders in their block and they can throw the block party and get the contact numbers of everyone on the street and like have this building, this neighborhood connection. And I love this example. This is an ongoing example because it seems like a tangible way of, of bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives again and that our society really needs desperately and we just don't have a lot of natural ways of building them. So this is kind of like our opportunity. I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to look different for us, but we can take inspiration and, 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 and do our own kinds of outreach. And, and, and that outreach doesn't have to involve food. I mean, even though, uh, you know, I titled this The Ministry of the Table, hospitality is far more than that. Uh, I, I was living in Taiwan for a, a few months, uh, quite a long time now ago, and I was struggling with the fact, I, you know, I had basically a little room I was staying in, and I had no kitchen, <laughs> you know, I had no way of inviting people to, to a meal, and I was really struggling with that, like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I invite people over if I don't have a place to invite them over to? And as I prayed about it, I felt like the, the Spirit was revealing to me, no, you don't need a table to offer hospitality. You don't need a table. You don't need a kitchen. You can just invite people over to yourself or to, you know, to do something with you. But just that, that hospitality becomes far more than just having that one concept of, of the table. It's, it's just bringing people into our lives. And, and it was amazing. As I started doing that, I realized, okay, you know, like, it is a lot easier when you have a, a meal, but, but it's possible. It's just, it's just that idea of reaching out. So I like to think of uh, the example of Philip in the Bible. And uh, I'm sure you're aware of, of the, the, the stories of Philip in, in, in the early part of Acts because he performed many great miracles and he had major success with evangelism. And he's the one who was running along next to this Ethiopian eunuch. Who, and, he, and he revealed, the eunuch was reading Isaiah, and he revealed the, that, that Jesus was like, you know, the fulfillment of all of this. And 
the eunuch was amazed, and then Philip is whisked off by the Spirit, and and uh, and then he goes back to Ethiopia, and like basically tra- there's a transformation over there through this this act. And then it talks about Philip kind of making his way to Caesarea, and that's kind of like the end of the sentence. So what happened after that? And that, it, 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 in some ways, it actually excites me because of my stage of life. But he basically settled down and he raised kids. Uh, and the next time he's mentioned is in Acts 21, in verse 8. And it's so brief that it's easy to miss it. So I'll read it to you, but we're going to have to read between the lines. Um, so it's like, this is Luke, and, uh, Luke writing about he and Paul traveling. He says, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So, pretty brief little mention of Philip after all these amazing things that he was doing in early Acts. But let's read between the lines. So he offered hospitality to Paul and Luke, and he had four kids, and they were full of the Spirit, and they prophesied. And that's mentioned because it was significant. So what that means is he had a home. And to have a home, I'm sure he had to have a job. And having the four daughters means he was a family man, and he was raising kids. And the fact that they were prophesying means that they were not just... They were standing out in their culture as, as being God-filled people. They were focused on those important things. And they offered hospitality. And I assume that Paul and Luke were not the only ones that they were offering that to. You know, you know Philip's early ministry was pretty exciting. But I'd say in his later years, it was just as significant. Having a stable home and a God-centered family and, and offering hospitality... And I think, I think people like Philip, that, that kind of excites me to say, you know, I, could, I can live a life like that. I can practice that same kind of radical hospitality that God's given us, whatever my circumstances, and I don't need an amazing home to do it. In fact, I don't even need a home at all. I can still practice hospitality. And as we do this, as we practice this feast, we actually reflect the kingdom feast. We, and as we have these, fe- as we break bread, you know, as Jesus called us to break bread, we actually are inviting Christ in, you know, especially as we, if we say grace at the meal and just welcome that in. Uh, so a few years ago, uh, Michelle and I did this thing Tuesday night at the potluck at the Rishos, and it was just an ongoing, every Tuesday night, open invitation, anyone can come, invite whoever, and we didn't advertise it, it just kind of Grew and you know there's seasons for things. We, we're not we're not doing it right now, but there's these there's these ebbs and flows, and so this thing kind of just took off. And we'd have these we'd have these gatherings sometimes with a ton of people, and we'd, we'd you know I remember meeting these guys who showed up, uh, and I was like, oh, good to meet you, you know, I'm, I'm Effie, and, and meet these guys and. And then found out that they were like completely new to town. This was the first time they'd been in anybody's home, and they just kind of found their way to our house I mean, through invited, being invited by someone else they'd just met. And it, it was amazing. This ministry that, 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 that took off from just sharing meals with each other. The only spiritual thing we did was we had grace before everyone ate. But, you know, people would go through crises, and we'd be there. We'd know about it. And they'd come to us. And because something about having that, sharing that meal and having that grace before and inviting Christ just, just to bless that time, 
people started to turn to us for tangible and spiritual needs. And um, it, it was really a, a beautiful season of our lives. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know what that, that, that's supposed to look like for us individually. Um, but this idea that, that we can reach out in the same way that, that, that God has reached out to us and we can invite in those who we don't know uh, or don't know well. Um, and that, it's an amazing opportunity for us to live out this, this kingdom of God banquet here today among, amongst the people around us. And so I'll say something that might be difficult, especially for, for introverts, but let's try this. Let's knock on some doors, the neighbors around us, and get to know these people and welcome them in to our table and share a meal and see what happens. And let's, uh, let's see what God can do through our efforts in, in this community that we live in. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this idea, and I, I feel like this is, this is an amazing gift that God has given us as well as an opportunity to be, to be the body on earth as God has designed us. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your generosity. We thank you that you have invited us to this amazing feast, even though we have nothing to offer. And we thank you for that, and I pray that you would inspire us to live out our lives in the same way, through generous, open-hearted, open-handed, open-table living. We pray that you would bless this idea and and just bless it in us, help it to grow and thrive, and and that we each individually and and as a community would would be able to live out this idea of of the great feast with those around us. We we bless you and we thank you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.